Well, good morning. It's good to see um, so many of you back from Labor Day weekend, and so many of you came to the tailgate yesterday, so just uh, very thankful, um, just that community that Dustin was talking about, it's just beautiful. Uh, my name is, is Adam, if you're a guest this morning, and I'm one of the pastors here along with Joe uh, and, uh, and, and Bruce. Uh, Bruce is out of town this weekend, and it's a joy just to be a part of this church, and um, as Joe was talking about those stickers, if you have a sticker as a kid, uh, then you guys can go to class at this time. If you don't have a sticker and you like to go to class, just make sure you, your parents, whoever brought you, signed you in. If you brought a Bible this morning, let's turn to Matthew 1. So we start Matthew 1 officially this morning. And as you're turning there, let me just make note, um, in your bulletin there's also, um, it mentions baptisms. If you've never been baptized, we'd love to invite you to, to that step of obedience, to be baptized. And so uh, baptisms are October 14th, I believe is what's in my head. Um, in October, there are going to be some baptisms. And so if you've never done that, or maybe you, maybe you were a child when you did it, and you look back now and you think, man, I wasn't saved. That was something my mom or dad wanted me to do, and I just need to be diligent and be obedient and I need to be baptized and so we'd love to help you be obedient with that so fill that out on your connect card right in front of you then just put that in the box in the back there's a little spot that says baptism that way we know um, what you're interested in I don't know how many of you come from just messed up families um, that's kind of my story uh, my wife she has a, just a godly family but it doesn't, even if you come from a godly family or a messed up family, um, if you're from the godly family, you probably just go right outside of that, just maybe like, you probably have some kind of cousin or uncle, aunt, somebody that somewhere in your lineage is just messed up, that you're kind of like maybe ashamed of, I don't know. But here, um, when we get to Matthew 1, we're just this morning we're just walking through a family tree and as we walk through this family tree this is a messed up group of people now you're going to see some people who loved the lord and followed him and 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 surrendered everything to him but then you're going to see some people that man it's just just there's corruption in here i mean there's things like incest there's adultery there's a murder i mean it's just strange and to think that this promised child the one that that's perfect he who knew no sin came from this kind of family in my mind i think though jesus is going to come from this perfect family that never had any problems well if that was the case he'd never come right and, and so he comes from a family that family line that it has its baggage and so i want you to be so encouraged this morning that no matter what your past has been God can do something great with your life. That he can take your past and he can use it for his glory and give you a new name. Uh, and, and so I pray that you are so encouraged this morning. Uh, so we start um, Matthew. Um, for those of you who have been around the Bible for a while, maybe, maybe some of you are new to the Bible. Matthew starts like this real clear division we have the Old Testament or Old Covenant, and then New Testament, New Covenant. So Matthew is the first book of this New Testament. And it's part of a genre called the Gospels. So in the New Testament, you'll find Gospels, you'll find um, letters or epistles. 
Um, and, and so this is not like the epistles that um, take up most of the, the New Testament. This is called a gospel. And um, a gospel, the go- gospel simply means good news. Uh, so when you hear the word gospel, you should think good news. And so this is the good news according to Matthew. So there's four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And it's like basically if four of you were riding, like let's say you saw something, let's say you saw an accident outside and the police officer wanted to give you um, four, you had to give a report. So this is kind of like your testimony of what you saw. So these are eyewitnesses um, of the gospel. And so this is the good news according to Matthew. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke are very similar. When you read those, you'll see very similar stories. And uh, these three books are called the Subnoctic Gospels, uh, meaning similar looking. Uh, and then, then you have John. John is, is, is very different. Um, there's only a few stories from Matthew, Mark, and Luke that go over into John. But they all tell the story of Jesus. Um, John's purpose is, is to try to get the reader to understand that Jesus is the Son of God. That's John's purpose. Um, Luke's purpose is to try to get the reader to believe that Jesus was the Son of Man. Mark's purpose was to influence the reader to think that Jesus is the suffering servant. Matthew's purpose is to prove that Jesus is the sovereign king. So they each kind of have a little bend, a little direction of where they're they're trying to help us understand Jesus a little bit better. So Matthew is going to be really pushing towards Jesus is the sovereign king. He has this kingdom, um, so you see a lot of kingdom language in Matthew that you wouldn't see in John, um, and, and so here we're going to see just this, this picture that Jesus is this sovereign king, and that's the way it starts out in, in Matthew 1. 1. Um, this is not, as I mentioned, this is, this is not like a congregational letter like um, Ephesians or Galatians would be, so he's not writing to, like, to a specific audience of like a church. Yeah, and this is just a um, more broad sense. Um, and, and it's going to read like a narrative. Of, um, uh, so you're going to see like some time. It moves from like early to late. So birth to death. But it's not a, um, a precise um, 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 timeline. Like you're going to see breaks. You're going to see, he'll say, and, and then, but, and then the then might not be that day. It could be a, a, a week or a month. Um, so when you read it, this is not a um, very detailed account of all of Jesus' life. You'll see some, some breaks in it. Um, it's, it's also not a comprehensive biography, m- meaning that it doesn't tell, tell us everything about Jesus. Uh, there, and in fact, it's probably going to raise more questions about Jesus than answer. Uh, and especially like Matthew's gospel starts out with Jesus being born. So you have the familiar Christmas stories in Matthew. But then it goes from him being born to when he was 12. So what happened like from a baby, toddler years to 12? Like I would love to know more stories about that. And then you have this story when he's 12 and then he's kind of gone and doesn't reappear again until he's 30. And so what about those teenage years? Uh, we, we really don't know. And so um, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't give us a comprehensive um, biography of Jesus. 
Um, in, in fact, John writes this in John 21. This verse will be up here for us. Uh, in John 21, it says, Now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Uh, and, and, and so here's just a reminder that Jesus did so many things that weren't written down in these four Gospels. And if they would have, they wouldn't have enough books to, or library to put all the books in from what Jesus um, had done. So um, when we look to the text of Matthew 1, um, starting in verse 1, you'll see that, that Matthew was trying to get us to, t- to, like, to link some things, to tie some loose ends together. So if you remember where we started back in May, that there was this promised one back in Genesis 3. So we've been walking through Genesis um, this summer. And so Genesis 3, we saw that the fall of mankind happened, that man needed to be redeemed, restored, because man's broken. And so there is this promised one. We walked through that looking for this promised child. And it wasn't Noah. Um, it wasn't... Um, Abraham, um, but God made some promises to those two men, and we saw in Genesis a few weeks ago that with Abraham, God made some promises to him, this covenant with Abraham, and then he made again with David. And, and David, there is like this going to be this, this king that was going to come from the lineage of David. Well, that's exactly where we start in verse 1. So let's look at this together. Verse 1, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So here he's tying, so this Jewish audience is is, is reading this, hearing this for the first time. And Matthew is tying Jesus Christ as a son of David. And and so any Jewish audience at this time would would have known what Matthew's doing here, that that he's waiting, like they've been waiting for centuries for this king to come, this Messiah that was going to come and restore and redeem mankind, that was going to rule. And, uh, and so he's saying Jesus is that son. He's the son of David. Um, it's coming from this promise that we see back in 2 Samuel. This was just a few weeks ago. We did this, 2 Samuel 7. This was... Um, the Lord speaking through Nathan to, uh, to David. He says, when your days, this is your, this is the you here is uh, David. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring. And you remember that should, that should get us to be thinking like a light should come off when we see that word offspring. Um, raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house from my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom when forever and we realized we looked at Solomon Solomon didn't do that at some point the the kingdom was divided and they couldn't even keep up with the king and so at this point when Matthew's writing this um, as we'll see when we get into the early part of uh, Matthew that there is a king named Herod Herod wasn't a part of this Um, he wasn't a part of this lineage of David and, and so there was not a, uh, a king reigning that would fulfill this promise. And so people are waiting for someone from David's lineage to fulfill this, to take the throne back. And so Matthew is identifying Jesus as the son of David. So this is so important. 
Um, but not only is he a son of David, he's also a son of Abraham. Look back in Matthew with us. Matthew verse 2. Um, um, so he's the son of David, son of Abraham. So he's connecting the dot between David and Abraham. And we know that David was uh, a son of Noah, who was a son of Adam. So there's this link all the way back from Genesis 3 all the way to here. So he's the son of Abraham. Now, this is important for two reasons. One, there's promises made back in Genesis 12 that, that the son of Abraham would be, um, would be um, receiving these promises of Abraham, this blessing that all the world would be blessed through this, through this son, through this offspring. Um, and secondly, it's also interesting, he brings up Abraham, because Abraham and Sarah, remember this story, Sarah was barren, she couldn't have any children, and so there's this miraculous birth that happened with Isaac. And so here we see that Matthew's tying um, Jesus to David, but then even with Abraham and um, this Abraham and Sarah, this miraculous birth, well, that's what happens with, with Jesus is that um, just as it was crazy that Sarah would have this child because she was so old and barren, and it's so crazy that Mary, um, who was a virgin, that would have this miraculous child. So there's this connection here between Abraham and the way that Isaac was born and with also uh, with Jesus coming through, through Mary. So Abraham was the father of Isaac. So Isaac was this promised child that God gave to Abraham and Sarah. And then you're just going to see this lineage. And let me just say, this is not a... Um, a comprehensive genealogy. Okay, Matthew's doing something here that's unique, which I'll explain in a, in a minute. But this is not an exact, this is not everybody um, from, from, from Jesus to Abraham. There's some missing links here, and you'll see why in a minute. But it's basically allowing us to connect dots well enough to see how they come together as a bridge. And so, look at this list. You're going to see some... Some of these famous Bible stories that you've heard of, you'll see some of those characters. Some of them you won't have any clue who they are. You're like, I've ne- I didn't know that guy was even in the Bible. Um, and so there's some obscure people, which I think is encouraging to us. Because a lot of times I think we, we want to be like the main character. But there'll be some names that you're going, Wait, I don't, I've never heard of them. And think like they're part of this story. And the thing, you may never do anything like where the whole world's going to know your name. But the Lord can still use you in a way to where you can make a great impact. Uh, and so you, you never know how the Lord is using uh, your life. And so here you, you see Abraham was the father of Isaac. So Isaac was this child given to Abraham and Sarah late in their years. Abraham was 100 years old. Uh, so that was just incredible, miraculous um, story. And then Isaac was the father of Jacob. And Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. So Jacob was, uh, he was like this patriarch. He was later named um, Israel. His name was changed to Israel. So the Israelites are named after him. And um, Judah and his brothers, one of his brothers was Joseph. He was the one who was sold into slavery into Egypt. And the Lord really used him in a mighty way while he was in Egypt. But Judah was not, man, like he, you see some moments of Judah. And he did some great things. But man, there's some corruption in his life. Read the book of Genesis this week. 
uh, you'll see the Lord using broken, just corrupt men and women. Um, and and these are, this, is, this is who Jesus comes from. He comes from the line of Judah. And, and so Judah and his brothers, uh, and Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. So you're going to see four ladies mentioned in this, in this lineage. And I, and I love that, because you remember when I, I, I mentioned this, and maybe some of you were gone, maybe it was summer break. Sometimes when we read the Old Testament, we think, well, God doesn't really care much about women because we don't see a lot of women in the Old Testament. That's a wrong way to view God. God loves women. He created women, um, and men were equal in value. Um, and, and, and so that's not why you don't see a lot of women in the Old Testament. The reason is because of its purpose. The Old Testament was trying to trace that promised child from Genesis 3. And so really it's, it's, it's fast-forwarding all the way through the Old Testament, tracing this family. And so we saw in Genesis 3 that the child that was going to come was going to be he. He would crush the head of the serpent. So there was this promised boy that was coming. And so really the Old Testament is really just tracing through who this promised boy was going to be. So that's why you don't see a lot of females in the, in the Old Testament. It's because it's trying to figure out who is this promised boy. Um, and so every boy that's given in the Old Testament, you see those names, it's, it's, it's trying to connect dots here. And anytime you see ladies mentioned in the Old Testament, it's because there's a highlight there. Take notice of that. And so here Tamar is mentioned. Tamar is a very strange story. If I was writing the Bible, I wouldn't put this story in there. I don't know how many of you know the story of Tamar. Tamar was um, the daughter-in-law of Judah. And so Judah's son, who was married to Tamar, died. And so in Hebrew customs and its traditions, if, if you had brothers and like if, 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 one, if the husband died, that wife would be given to a brother. And so um, the brother, there were two brothers still alive. The brother that Tamar should have been given to despised her and did something very wicked. And you can read that in uh, Genesis um, and did not want to take Tamar as a wife to care for her. Um, and so the younger brother was still too young to be given in hand of marriage. And so Tamar had to wait. And um, uh, there's a scene, and, I, and I'm just going from memory, maybe around 38, Genesis 38, um, um, is the story of Tamar and Judah. And it's just a story where Tamar... It seems like she tries to deceive her father-in-law, Judah, um, to be with her. And, um, and so she dresses as a prostitute. And so, um, it, and, and, and Judah is um, persuaded to be with her. And, and so it's this crazy story. And so you see here this Perez and Zara. These are the twins that Tamar has from her father-in-law, Judah. So this is Judah out of the brothers of, of, of Jacob. This is Judah, the line of Judah, the tribe of Judah that, that Jesus comes from. Uh, and so out of Perez and Zerah, you see that Perez is the father of Hezron. So Perez is going to be this bloodline. It's not going to be Zerah, but it's going to be Perez. And Perez is the father of Hezron. And 
Hezron, the father of Ram, Ram, the father of Abinadab, and Abinadab, the father of Nashon, and Nashon, the father of Salmon, and Salmon, the father of Boaz. Does that sound familiar? Boaz. And so Boaz um, by Rahab. Here's the second lady. How was, how was Rahab remembered? Now, you might remember two ways of Rahab. One, she's a lady of faith from Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 is this list of people who just trusted the Lord and had faith in God. She's in that chapter. Um, but maybe you remember her. She was a prostitute. And so she was a prostitute. She was not an Israelite. She was best known for when the Israelites were coming into to Israel, this was after they left Egypt. They were in the wilderness. They had to cross the Jordan River. And they had to, the first battle they had to fight was the battle of Jericho. Thank you. Um, and so Rahab was a, um, a citizen of Jericho. And um, she was the one who hid the spies because she believed that their God was the God. And so God honored her faith. Um, and uh, so here she is, and, and, and you see, she, one, she, she was not from a great uh, family line. Second, she was a prostitute, and here God is rewriting her story, and she's one of her great, 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 great grandchild was Jesus. Isn't that incredible that God can change your story? And, and so here, Rahab is here, and... Um, and, and then Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth. You remember the story of Ruth and Boaz? Ruth, again, was, she was not a uh, Jew. She was a Moabite and was brought in um, um, by um, this family with, um, with Naomi. And, uh, and then when Naomi brought her back, she ended up marrying Boaz. And uh, so... Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David the king. And so here's this first group that, that you see that Jesse is the father of David, and then you, there's a little more narrative here. It mentions David the king, highlighting this, this idea of kingdom, king. That's what Matthew's trying to prove here. And so um, he doesn't say, you know, Rahab the prostitute or... Uh, Judah, the uh, many names you could put in for Judah, and then but David he does he highlights that David's the king, and just just for note this will I'll highlight this in a minute that David if you start with um, with Abraham there in verse two, and you count Abraham Isaac Isaac and we'll see this in a minute that David is the fourteenth name so just store that in your head. So keep going. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. So here's the fourth lady mentioned in this, in this uh, genealogy, the wife of Uriah. This is Bathsheba. And this was the child that was born. You remember David, when David was um, on his, um, uh, the roof of his palace and he looked out and he saw the, this beauty of a lady um, who was married to a friend um, Uriah was a friend of David. They fought in many battles. He was one of David's mighty men. And, and uh, Uriah was off to war, to battle. David wasn't. And David um, had an affair with Bathsheba while Uriah was out fighting. Um, Bathsheba gets pregnant 
through that um, affair, and David freaks out, thinks the only way to solve this, because people are going to know, like, this is not good, so uh, he has Uriah killed, so David's a murderer, so you have a murderer here in this, um, in this genealogy, um, so, but through Bathsheba, you have Solomon, who would be the next king, um, and so Solomon, the father of Rehoboam, Rehoboam, the father of Abijah, and Abijah, the father of Asaph. So now we're getting to like, there's a bunch of kings here. And through these kings, you're going to see good kings who just love the Lord. And they, and they led well. And Israel had some good days during their leadership. But then you're going to see some wicked kings, um, which we'll see in a minute what happens with wicked kings. Um... So Abijah, the father of Asaph, and Asaph, the father of Josephat, Josephat, the father of Jerom, and Jerom, the father of Uzziah, and Uzziah, the father of Jotham, and Jotham, the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. Now, if you were to take this genealogy, Mark's gospel doesn't have a genealogy, but Luke's does. Again, they're not going to match up like this because Matthew's trying to do something unique here. And even some of the names, some of these guys go by multiple names, and so some, some of these names will even be changed. Um, and, and so if this gets confusing, you can do a, an easy research online and, and see which king had different names, and so you can, you can see any discrepancies that you might have. Um, Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh, Manasseh the father of Amos, and Amos the father of Josiah. Josiah was the father of Jeconiah and his brothers. At the time of the deportation to Babylon. So this is uh, a bad rule. So the deportation mean, meaning that Babylon came in and captured them. And so whenever the king, the king was kind of a representative. Of how, if the king followed the Lord, then because of his faith, God would honor Israel. And, uh, and years were good for them. Whenever the king was godly, it was good for the people of Israel. When the king was wicked, it was bad for the people of Israel. And so here's a wicked king, uh, and God allows the Babylonians to come in and capture them. And so that's what verse 11 means, verse 12. Um, and after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of um, uh, Shealtiel, and Shealtiel the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel the father of uh, Abiad, and Abiad the father of um, um, Eliakim, and Eliakim, the father of Azer, and Azer, the father of Zadok, and Zadok, the father of Achim, and Achim, the father of Eliad, and Eliad, the father of Eliezer, and Eliezer, the father of Mathan, and Mathan, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. So it's time from Abraham... To, to, to Joseph, the, Mary of hus um, the husband of, of Mary. So, verse 17, all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations. And from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon um, to, to the Christ, 14 generations. So why in the world would Matthew bring up like, why these 14, sets of 14? There's three sets of 14 when you're reading through there. You've got Abraham to King David, and then King David to deportation, then deportation to Christ. Um, why does he set up 
this with three sets of 14s. Uh, this is why this is not a comprehensive genealogy. He is intentionally using 14, 14, 14. Why? Well, during this time, um, and it became a Jewish thing, but really it's probably more of a Greek thing. But there is this numerical tool or system called a, um, uh, a gemetria, G-E-M-E-T-R-I-A, gemetria. And some think it comes from like geometry. And it was a numerical tool where uh, the Jews would give a numerical value for every letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So for like for us, for like if you're doing like a decoder, like some kind of code, A is 1, B is 2, C is 3, all the way to Z, okay? So in the Hebrew alphabet, let's look at this. So you've got Olive, Bet, Gimel, Dalet, Hey, Vav, Zain, Het, and Tet. And so, um, David, you see to the right there, uh, is, and in Hebrew, it looks like that. It just has three, three values, three letters. Um, and it reads from, what would that be? Right to left. Um, and so, the one on the right, if you go down to number four, that's a dollar. That would be like a D, okay? And then the one in the middle is the vowed sound. That would be like a V. Or, and uh, it could be also a vowel marker. It's for another sermon, another time. And then the last one is just like the first one. So it's DVD. And so in Hebrew, you don't really use cons- or you don't use vowels. And so if you take D, that's four, and you take the vav, that's six, and then back to dalit, that would be four. Four plus six plus four is 14. Yeah, all right. And, and so, a Jewish audience, like if, if, if I was reading this and you were all first century Jews, you would get this. Like, I wouldn't have to explain this at all. And as I, as I mentioned, in that first set of 14, if you go to the next slide, from Abraham um, all the way down, David was the 14th name mentioned. And so, Matthew's like screaming, this would be like... He's writing this in all caps for us. And, and so a Jew would like totally get this. Um, but for us, you know, we, we, we're going to miss this because we just don't think this way. But when a Jewish audience reading this in first century, he is screaming that Jesus is connected to David. That as David was the king and this, all the promises from 2 um, Samuel 7, Jesus is the fulfillment. He's... He is this king that we've been waiting on. He is this promised one. And so he's screaming, Jesus is the king. And and so this idea that that Jesus is king. And so with a king, you have a kingdom. And and, and so that's where Matthew heads. He spends a lot of time just talking about kingdom language. And there's been a lot of kings who have come and gone, queens, presidents, dictators, people of power um, since Jesus walked on the earth. But there's been no greater king. He's still the king of all kings. And um, he is, as, as, as many people has reigned and ruled uh, and, and, and just incredible leaders and they've all died, Jesus is still at the center of all 
history. Everything's about him. Uh, and, and, and so um, the rain, as you were coming in today, the rain's about him. The rain is a testimony of him. It brings glory to him. Uh, the, 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 the sun, it's a testimony of him and his power. Um, everything in this world is about Jesus Christ and that he is at the center of the universe, which is a great reminder for us this morning that you and I are not. That we are not the center of the universe. That we're more like these guys in this list. We, we play a part, but we're not the main character. You, you're not. You're not the center of the universe. You, you may think that, but this morning I want to encourage you. Um, just at the king, if there's a king and he's the king, then we're all part of the king's kingdom. And that's what it means to be a part of the kingdom is that there's someone who's ruling and reigning and it's his way, not ours. You don't go to the king and tell the king what you're going to do. You go and you fall down and you beg the king. Your, your majesty, may I have your permission. And that's how we should wake up every day. We should fall down, get on our knees, and beg the king for his mercies and grace. That we're not guaranteed anything. Uh, and it's only by just that, man, that song, that second song we sang, just that uh, the, the cross of Jesus Christ is why I am alive. I'm alive today because of the cross. Not because I've earned it, not because I'm so important. It's because of the grace and mercies and kindness of Jesus Christ. That's why I have breath today. That's why you're able to be here today. That gives us purpose. And so he's the king of all kings. That's what Matthew's trying to get us to see here. But not only is he the king, the sovereign king is going to come and rule and be this fu fulfillment of 2 Samuel 7, that he's going to reign forever. But, but he's, also, um, he's also savior. And that's how, um, that's how Matthew starts out when he says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. So he's... He's tying him to the son of David, but he's also identifying him as Jesus Christ. Uh, the name Jesus uh, is, is Greek for the Hebrew word name Joshua. Joshua, that name means uh, Yahweh saves or the Lord of salvation, that the king said that, that, that this God is a saving God. And so when you think about Joshua, his name means to save. That's exactly what he did. He brought um, uh, the Israelites, he led them into um, the physical promised land. He was like a savior to them. He, he saved them from the wilderness. Well, that's a picture that Joshua's pointing us to this spiritual Joshua, and who is Jesus, that Jesus comes along and his name is Joshua. Um, and, and so, but he's going to be a better Joshua. He's going to save the people, not just physically, but spiritually. That he's going to take you from this wilderness um, spiritually to this promised land of just this promised rest that Jesus offers. And so in his name, we see that he's a saving God. He's, he means to save. He's Jesus the Christ. Christ is not his last name. 
So many people might think like Jesus Christ, like that he comes from, you know, good, those, those Christ people are good people and he comes from, from the Christ family. That's not, Christ means Messiah or anointed one. Um, and so here he's um, this Yahweh saves and then he's this Messiah, this this anointed one, meaning that he's this fulfillment. He's this one who was supposed to come and redeem mankind. He is the one they've been waiting on. He is the one who saves. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. And this king, he's going to rule forever. He's at the center of, of, of all life. But you know what really matters this morning is, is he at the center of your life? Because I, I know for me, I know he's king, but I, I also bow down to a lot of other things. And I, I, may, I kind of take them and I put them on the throne where he belongs. Uh, and, and so I think this morning is a good, good opportunity for us just to, just to hit reset and to think about, you know, what do you bow down to? Who is your king? And, 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 and the way you can think about that is what controls you? Because that's what a king ultimately does. A king controls you. He tells you what you're going to do. That's what the king does. And you're the people in his kingdom. So what controls you? What leads you? What do you get up and think about? And, and, and man, for this room, it's a diverse bunch of kingdoms. You've got these little kings. And it could be affirmation of others. And, and, and it doesn't matter if you're a, a, a mom, dad, husband, wife. There's moments where we all struggle with affirmation of others. Is that what drives your parenting? Just affirmation? Is that why you want your kids to be obedient? Is because you want affirmation from others? Um, maybe it's security. Maybe that's your God, that's your king that you bow down to. Like, that's what you care about. And, and, and you just got to have a kingdom that's safe and secure. Maybe it's convenience. You don't like when things don't go your way. You love control. Um, so maybe things like convenience and, and comfort. Maybe that's your little king that you bow down to and you worship. You, you, nobody knock him off his throne. Like, so Jesus is the king. He rightly belongs on that throne. And no matter what we put on that throne, he will ultimately... One day, we will all bow down um, to this king. Um, scripture tells us of this. Um, just jot this down. Philippians 2 reminds us that one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Um, and so he, he's going to get his praise. Uh, and so Matthew's trying to get us right from the very beginning to put things in order. That Jesus is the king. And your life is going to be so much better when you bow down to this king and not bow down to the affirmation of others, that you don't bow down to security, uh, monetary things, material things, that you bow down to Jesus, that you rightly surrender and submit to his lordship. Because that's what's going on. Every king, you, you, you would call a king a lord. Um, you see that in the Old Testament, they would call kings lords. And so that means you, you surrender to that Lord. Uh, and so this morning, I just want you just to, 
Stop for a moment. What is your Lord? Because whatever you fill in there, it's so important. Because as we're, we're going to see in a few weeks, that, that some of you, you're going to call Jesus Lord. But you're going to see in a few weeks that, that Jesus says to you, maybe some of you, so some of you are going to call me Lord, but he knows that he's really not your Lord. And he's going to say on that day when, that we sing about so often, he's going to say on that day, I don't know you. You call me Lord and you say you do all these things for me. I don't, know, I don't know you. You're not a part of my kingdom. Depart from me, you wicked servant. That day's going to happen. You've got to know Jesus is your king. And I know there's people in this room that just, you've never surrendered to his lordship. And I, I, just, I just want you at this moment, just, just like think through, like, what's keeping you from surrendering to his kingdom? Because you're going to bow your knee anyways. And everything that this king has to offer is way better than what these little kings have to offer. You're going to be so empty over here. And he's just saying, man, just bow and just trust me. Surrender to me. Let me be the king of your life. He's saying, I already am, but it's going to be important when you acknowledge that I am. It's going to change everything. So where are you this morning? And even for those who have bowed their knee, you know that, God, that you, you surrendered it all. Even for us this morning, we've got to do this because I've got to do this. Every day I've got to say, okay, Lord, you are my king today. I'm not going to bow down to convenience, to comfort. I'm not going to bow down to approval of others. I, I don't care if they thought I talked too long this morning. I don't care if they shake my hand and say, good sermon today, Pastor. It can't be what drives me. What drives me is being obedient to my King, Jesus. That's, that's, that's got to be what drives you. That's what motivates you to do good deeds, to, to do everything. Is You're just being a faithful citizen of this kingdom that he's called you to. So as I pray for us this morning, the band's going to come back. We're going to keep singing this morning about this kingdom, about this King. And, and as I pray, I just, just want the Holy Spirit, to speak to you. Maybe there's something you need to surrender right now to Him. Um, maybe there's something you just need help with. That, that's one, that's why community groups are so important. There's going to be people who walk with you through this. Because um, we all mess it up at times where we take Jesus off the throne and put something else there. And so it's so important that you just, you have people to walk with you. And so maybe you just need to find that. It could be a, a D group. You just need accountability, so I'm going to pray, allow the Holy Spirit just to speak to you, ask right now, just, Lord, what are those little kings that I'm putting up, those functional kings I'm putting on the throne where you rightly belong? So let's, let's pray together. Lord, we come to you. You are the Christ. You are the Messiah, the anointed one. You, you are the king of all kings. And every knee. Every king that's ever lived, every president, every dictator, every queen, every position of power will bow down their uh, knee to you, Lord Jesus. That you are the greatest name ever. Every celebrity, every athlete, 
Every person of power will bow down and confess that you are Lord. That this is your kingdom that we all live in. And so I pray right now that you're speaking to the hearts of these men and women, many of whom are sons and daughters. I pray that you're speaking right now, that you are convicting them of sin that they need to repent of. Lord, I know that you're speaking to me, that there's things I need to just confess this morning. How I bow down my knee to to just other things, just convenience, to security, affirmation of others. Lord, I make them my king. I let them lead me and lord over me. They control me. Lord, I pray that you remind me I've been set free from those things. That you've pulled us out of that kingdom of darkness and you brought us into a new kingdom. That you reign and you're a good king. That you rule with might, power, with grace and kindness and mercy like no king has ever ruled before. Lord, may we bow down our knee to you here today. May everyone surrender to you, to your leading. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.